With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. talk to the newsmakers and the unmanned systems community. Uh, I'm your program host, Patrick Egan, and as we always do, this is about the time we introduce our uh, tenured co-host, Mr. Gene Robinson. (laughs) Hello, Patrick. Yes, uh, I have been the sidekick for a while, haven't I? You have. If this was academia... You know, you could just give up on uh, personal hygiene and say all the crazy stuff you wanted to say. But uh, since it's not public university, you're gonna have, you'll have to reel it in. Uh, how's it going today? Good. We're just trying to keep our nose above water. I, Texas is just as stormy and rainy as it can be. It's our spring monsoons. You know, that's when we had the big flood back in 17 and 15. So, you know, we're just kind of floating around here trying to keep our noses above water. Right. Now, and the floating around, you were saying that uh, you the, the plan was was to go out uh, to the body farm today. Is that uh, off? Yes, we – yeah, no, 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 no. It's, uh, we've had a break in the rain. We are going to go to the uh, San Marcos Forensics Anthropology Center and uh, do some more data collection. Um, this is kind of part and parcel to some of the stuff that we'll be talking about a little bit later. But you know me, I, you know I got called out on search and rescue this weekend with the floods. We've had water rescues out the wazoo. Uh, you know, unfortunately, we we had a death, and you know this this is stuff that uh, is my world, and I'm going to continue exploring my world just as much as I can. I know. Well, you know, for anybody that. Uh doesn't know what that is you should get on the interweb and uh, google search it it's uh, uh we have talked about this in the past and it's 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 rough it's rough t- subject matter but uh i know that they learned a lot of good things out there at the farm down on the farm farm drones um indeed it's an interesting thing so you know here we are it's uh it's may 9th 20 19. Hard to believe that we're really here. (sighs) Years keep ticking by. But seven years ago to the day, at 1 p.m., we kicked off the uh, SUS News podcast series. And the first. Groundbreaking it was. Groundbreaking it was, you know. And um, first episode was SUAS Search and Rescue. And not only were you the co-host, but you were the guest. Actually, you were the guest. And then uh, you did such a <laughs> you know wonderful job um, that we're like, hey, we got we need a we need a co-host that's got the 
system and industry gravitas uh, like Gene Robinson. And then that's how you became the uh, the co-host for the podcast series. So do you remember that? Those many, I many do, moons I ago. I remember it well. Yes, but you know what? We've we've had some pretty darn good subject matter experts on this show, and and as you've always said, it's gold. It's gold right here on the podcast, and it's true. There is some real gold. I mean, there's I, I'm I'm rolling back some of this uh, stuff here, man. And we we also talked about your book in 2012, first to deploy, which I know has been. Uh, I mean, it's like the textbook for search and rescue. It's funny. You know, as we see this thing move forward uh, with with the drone thing, I mean, every day there's like a new news story about an applications for drones that was probably pioneered 10 years ago. It's really, it's kind of comical. It's, it's tiring or tiresome to look at you. Go, oh, look. Oh, my God. You know, police departments can use drones. Like, it's, it's, it's a revelation. You know, not like they weren't doing it uh in the early 2000s or, you know, before and, you know, to help Tennis solve heavily, crimes. Yeah. Well, you know, before the policy clarification, that's, that's another one. Even at uh, California UAS Day at the Capitol there, they were like, you know, yeah, Alameda County Sheriff's Department. You know, we, uh, we're pioneering this whole deal. We've done everything. We, we mapped that car campfire in two or three days. It was a piece of cake. Lickety damn split was so good, you know. And I was like, you know, actually, uh, I think remember the, like the official rollout. I think was SAC PD with the drones in 2008, <laughs> or maybe it was 2007. Oh, yeah. right, right after the uh, policy clarification, I used to like to get on there and ask Officer Midge or whatever her name was, "Hey, how's the drone program came coming along?" But uh, it was such a sore subject, nobody wanted to talk about the. Uh, $85,000 paperweights or whatever it was. I don't know. Anyway, it was kind of kind of funny. You know, and I'm looking back here. We got some other ones. Standards update, ASTM F38 back in, uh, you know, uh, 9-19-2012. It was a popular show. It had like 7,000 listens. And uh, fast forward to 2019, and I'll ask you, Gene, how many ASTM F-38, and you, you go way back on this, because that's like the first time we met in person, 2005, May, right? Yep. yep. ASTM. Okay. Want to take a guess on how many standards, F-38 standards, the FAA has adopted? Is it a multiple guess question? <laughs> no, you know, just take a wild win. I don't know, you know. Does it fit the bread um, I'm box? Gonna hazard, I'm going to hazard a guess of zero. God, you're good. You've been at this for a while. That's exactly <laughs> correct. None. You know, and I mean, I don't want to deride the whole program because it was 14 years of meetings with great people and flying all around and having your stuff rewritten and all the rest of that stuff. But, hey, whatever, you know. I mean, you don't want to – fault the whole program for you know lack of adoption you know right I mean, I'd sound like yeah. a nitpicker <laughs> <laughs> that Egan guy is nitpicking I know well it's it's gotten so absurd really you know, 
There's another one I posted on uh, LinkedIn this morning about, uh, you know, FOIA request shenanigans. And you probably remember back in 2012. I, I think we did a show about it. I, I, rec- I uh, you know, I had uh, FOIA requested the job description for the uh, head of the UASI. Well, I think at the time it was still UAPO. And it was interesting. The job description was great. Like every year, you know, it said whoever's running the dog and pony show was supposed to uh, write a report, progress report, and, uh, you know, give that to the Associate Administrator of Aviation Safety, which was our good friend, Peggy Gilligan. Love Peggy. She was a a nice person. Anyway, it's supposed to give it to them. So 2012, you know, I I went and I I tried to uh, FOIA the progress reports for the UAPO, and it, you know, didn't. I never heard back on that. And then uh, somebody else did a story on FOIA logs that, uh, you know, the FAA kept. kept, And, uh, you know, whose name was on there multiple times, but, you know, me. And, uh, you know, and I was reminded of the, uh, you know, the progress reports that I never got back in 2012. So I, you know, did the same thing. I got Earl Lawrence's uh, job description, and it had changed a little bit. Uh, There was more you know, stuff in there about making it an inclusive work environment or whatever. But it still mentioned, you know, you were report to the associate administrator on the progress. So I made the FOIA request again. Uh, I think that was last year. Anyway, I'm still waiting. You know, nobody can find the progress reports. They don't know what I'm talking about. So, and I've, I've been all over with that one. But, you know, that's another one that'll keep going. But those are, these are some of the throwback stories. Another one that we did back in, in uh, 2012, in November of 2012, was RPA Science with uh, Jeff Bland from NASA. And, you know, you talk to these people, oh, you can use drones to, 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 to monitor weather. Oh, my God, this is crazy. Have you ever, I mean, have you ever even thought about that, Gene? Using it to... Never, never. Know, using, exactly, weather or, you know, maybe... Like, you know, uh, atmospheric sciences or monitor volcanoes. Holy mackerel. Anyway, so Jeff came on and he's uh, it's pretty funny. You know, he's that, that one is a 27,000 listens. That was probably one of our most popular shows. And, um, you know, he talked about how they were using um, drones for, I don't know, now it's got to be 25 years to, you know, weather and monitor gases from volcanoes and do all this other work. Before um, NASA became, you know, the paperwork and bureaucratic nightmare that it is. And uh, last time I saw Jeff, uh, it was him and another fellow from JPL and some representatives from CARB. And we were out at the dump and they were uh, sniffing for methane, you know, greenhouse gases off of uh, landfill. Mm. And uh, they were using a kite to fly a $45,000 methane sniffer, which I thought was kind of interesting. And the people from CARB, I brought the trunk full of drones, and they're like, can't we put this on a drone? And I'm like, we could. And they're like, oh, let's do it. And the guys from NASA are like, no. You know, because it had been uh, well, trouble, you know, and everything else. So, and in the halcyon days when, you know, we were trying to get a drone to, to do anything, you know, just let us let us prove it. I mean, that that was a big deal. You had to prove it. Right. Well, and it's just kind of funny. So, you know, this is the the NASA dichotomy, right? So, the, the 
NASA technology, there's always a cool backstory. So the methane sniffer, they were flying on the kite, you know, the 4,000-year-old technology of the kite and the string. I mean, it's just so absurd. It's pathetic, really. But anyway, so that's the same methane sniffer that's on the Mars rover. You know, it's not the same one, but it's exactly like yeah, or similar, same. Yeah, same model and all that. Same model, make, all the rest of that stuff is that's on the Mars rover, right? And so that's on Mars. I did not know that. Yes, yes. That's pretty exciting. I do have pictures of it somewhere. I'm like, wow, this is really cool. You know, and uh, here it is. It's, it's up there. They launched it on a rocket. It's on Mars sniffing for methane, looking for life. And, uh, you know, these guys are flying it on a kite here on the surface of the Earth. So, you know, it just – and then people are like, well, you know, why why, why – why is your attitude so bad? Why are you, uh, you know, you're 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 kind of a jerk, you know, a negative. Oh yeah, I don't know, yeah, <laughs> you know, Mars kite string, whatever. You know, have a nice day. The other one that was great is Parb had about you know six thousand dollars worth of equipment in the back of a Chevy Tahoe or whatever, and they had uh, they were sniffing using a, a tube like you would use for your fish tank slammed in the car door and that was doing the sniffing. I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, do you do you uh you know log how much of this uh you know silicon tubing is sticking out of the door jam? Is it like, you know, random or is it two inches, three inches? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, that that that's that's pretty crazy. Then we had uh, we remember you know talking about weather, we had the guy on from Noah and he was telling us about how hurricanes form. You know, yeah, that, that was a pretty cool one, but I, I'm kind of a weather geek anyway, so I, I, I like the the information that comes out of those kind of podcasts. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was like, wow, that's uh, pretty cool, you know, um, how that energy transfers from the water and into the air and blah, blah, blah. And guess what? They were using drones to uh, collect data about weather. And I think I even asked the guy on the podcast about his opinion on climate change. No comment. So, you know, whatever. Well, yeah, of course he's going to have to do that. It's... Yeah, I don't, I don't want to, um, I don't want to lose my job. Anyway, you know, whatever. Anyway, and then uh, more and more we did talk about, um, we've talked more about, you know, I think we did that. We did a podcast on that uh, Bellstrap burn thing you did when you were doing. That's another, oh, yeah. hey, guess what? You can use drones to uh, better understand the wildland urban interface. Have, have you heard of anything like this? You got that. I, I'm surprised you remember that whole acronym thing, the the WUI. I do, but you know what? They're gonna they're gonna they got something totally new cooked up this year, and they're gonna actually use drones for uh, that. You know, understanding the, the WUI. I, you know, it's groundbreaking, especially <laughs> since you did it back in, what, 2013 or 2012? But, you know, whatever. Again, nitpicking. Damn it. Yeah, that was, that was the NIST thing, you know, the National Institute of Standards and Technology when we were flying the, the WUI research there. <laughs> I, don't know, yeah, yeah, I think I remember there was like a documentary about that somewhere. You know, but uh, do you remember that or? Yeah, yeah, I do. I'm I'm trying to recall. 
I mean, there's been too much water under the bridge. Uh, let's see. Uh, me? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, exactly. That was you. Oh, and then here, I'm, uh, you know, this was the one that I liked, too. We did one, uh, Unmanned Oklahoma, back in 2014. And uh, one of our guests was uh, Kelvin Drogenmeyer, who is now, um, you know, top dog over there at the White House Science Office of Science and Technology Policy. So, you know, we have, like, someone famous on board. You know, there's lots of... Wow, that's, that's a stretch. That's good. I'm, I'm telling you. And then uh, but we haven't heard any of that because, you know, people were uh, belly aching about how the Trump administration's not into science. But uh, Mr. Drogemeyer's actually, believe it or not, a scientist. So, you know, that was good. Um, you know, so that was one of our uh, more famous people. That uh, well, let's say local boy does good. Good guy, scientist, over at the White House Office of Science and Technology. I hope to run into him one day, as I you know I have a couple of a short list of concerns that I've been working on that the drone industry has. Uh, uh, you have short a, list? Yeah, I got this dartboard, right? And I have like thing like you know Chinese toy company, um, lack of progress. No science. <laughs> and I just throw darts at this stuff. And then those are kind of my topics for the year, you know. It's great. Works out good. Um, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, FAA enforcement, which never materialized. Oh, here's one with uh, Texas EquiSearch. Um, you know, we, uh, that oh, was a that good was one. Yeah, that was the lawsuit. Yeah, yeah, we uh, we talked about that. I, I don't remember the details on that one, but uh, that whole Equisearch deal. Are you doing much with them anymore, or is it? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, them? yeah. We'll be we'll be doing a, Jan, a June one. We'll be doing uh, uh, kind of an orientation for new members. They are very active in the search and rescue, search and recovery game right now. So, yep, still in touch with them. Me and old Tim Miller. You know, the hillbilly on a horse. He's still after it. Well, that's good. He's got a lot of passion. And I remember there was a documentary there, too. There was. You know. There was another documentary there. Yeah, there were some folks near and dear to our hearts that were in that. And, uh, you know, yeah, Tim, uh, you know, uh, boy, I'll tell you, that was a rough one to watch. And, you know, I mean, I know that it made the circles and went all over. And even on the SUS News Video Channel, it's got, I don't know, 30,000 views or 50,000 views. I don't know. But I mean, even at the time, remember, you know, oh, I'm not touching that one. You know, AUVSI wouldn't even admit it existed. And, you know, but it really too bad because, uh, you know, it was, it was a definitely that uh, use where, you know, it was moving, uh, you know, drones for good and all the rest of that forward thing. Yep. But, uh, That's the promotion. We were doing drones for good. Yep, yep, and we had uh, our old buddy Gus Calderon on, and we talked about uh, Volantis, the Lady Gaga dress, <laughs> the flying dress. Yeah. yeah, that was that was pretty good. Uh, you know, um, God, we have so many of these uh, roadmaps and test sites and regulatory one, art of sensible regulation. We kept talking about God. It just seems like so many years, and you know. We fast forward through that, 
You know, with the FAA's back on, I mean, they, were, they closed out the ABSI exponential spectacle with, guess, guess what the head of the UASIO said they needed. Oh, I, I know the answer to this question because it was asked to me personally back in 2010. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to give it away. Well, why not? Come on, you know, because I mean, I'm, I'm a, I was, I was a little shocked, you know. And I even wrote a little story they need about more, it. They need more data. They exactly. Need more data. Exactly. And, you know, when it, I think the first time we heard that was probably about 2004 or five that they needed data. And I wrote a, wrote a little article about that. I think we need accountability uh, more than data because, you know, <laughs> as it was, um, They've been at, they've been using that data ruse, you know. And uh, as I said in the article, we didn't even come down off of the ID and tracking and uh, repeal of 336. And God, we need that before we can do beyond visual line of sight. You know, forget about just don't let's not even talk about detect and avoid. That's right off. Or a UTM don't need that certification or a practical test for. You know, it's just like they 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 bring the kids in. They feed them a bunch of crap, and then they, you know, oh, okay, well, if we do that, then we'll be able to do whatever we want. It's the same old game. You know, it's like the, I call it the old prom date routine, you know. And I'm not, after like 17 proms, I'm not buying anymore. I know how the game works. You know, I'm a slow learner. <laughs> but, uh, you know, anyway, I, I don't want to go too far down that road because this is a family show. Um, yeah, so, you know, we had all of that. We've talked about, uh, you know, some of the NASA efforts, which, um, you know, I don't know. I think they're, I don't think they're too happy with me because I'm not too happy with them. You know, I'm not on the rah-rah thing with the UTM. I'm a little disappointed, really. $87 million, and, you know, we're, we're paring things down. A little bit of a letdown. What are you going to do, though? I mean, you know, they they got to get something done, and it's just going to have to they're going to have to get off the pot, so to speak. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, uh, remember, I mean, you know, anytime I bring up Access Five, that's like nails on the chalkboard. Uh, but there was another well, one. You know, Go ahead. Well, I, I was just going to say, as a pilot, you know, looking at ADSB, you know, having to put an ADSB in my plane, and they're already talking about ADSB being overtaxed, uh, and the, the UTM is is supposed to join in there with it. I'm I'm a little concerned about it too. I mean, that, that, there is certainly a cause for concern there. Well, and then there was the AirSat program before Access Five, which is another hundred and I don't know fifty million or hundred and ten million dollar. I'm calling them Bauer doggles. I don't know if you remember Jeff Bauer, but you know this was back in the day too, when everybody was like, "Oh, we've got to integrate drones into the NASA." Oh yeah, and the smalls, you know, there's no money in the small, so forget that. Let's just go for the big iron. Oh, okay, you know. Uh, you know, the little ones that are a pound or whatever, you know, it's too hard to do. So let's just move on to the big stuff and blow, you know, $150 million, you know, channel it over to my program and it'll be great. 
So, uh, you know, and anytime you bring that up, you're negative. Oh, okay. Well, you know, um, even with this U.S. and the NAS thing, and I got that's how I got on the interplanetary poo list, is uh, I asked them, well, what's the scope of the project? Oh, we're going to integrate everything. Well, $100 million isn't enough, you know. And, uh, you know, people were pissed off, and I told them you weren't gonna, they weren't going to make the goal, and people were questioning why I was on the call, and, you know, I did, I did say for the public record, you know, we'll put this down. I'm, I'm advocating like, like the de facto trustee for the taxpayer. Then people went really nuts, you know. Anyway, I don't really care. You know, I understand how the game works. The game works is, you know, let's just keep the funding alive, get a couple of people in the program, and we'll massage this thing until some benevolent tech company like Google or Amazon steps in and writes a check for $400 million, which – you know, I don't, I, I don't know what's going on with that. But they said that's just not happening. That's not how billionaires roll. Billionaires roll. Hey, let's get the taxpayer to pay for the infrastructure so I can use it to make billions of dollars. You know, people are still like, um, you know, that these big corporations are altruistic. Yeah, you know, <laughs> sure they are. And my name's Elmer Fudd, and I own a mansion and a yacht. But uh, that's another story. Anyway, so, yeah, you know, you go through all of these different uh, story titles or show titles. And, God, it's like, you know, some of the folks like Monarch Drones, remember how much uh, promising or promise there was there? You know, they had oh, yeah. this little company and they were going to have jobs and all the rest of that stuff. And, uh that was before the 107, but even that, when the 107 came out, they couldn't make it. Just like, uh, just like uh, 3D robotics, you know, went down. Oh, another good one, uh, Super Drones with uh, Tony. Uh, God, I can't even remember his last name right now, but uh, the guy, Tony Dyson. That was it, and he was the guy that uh, invented uh, R2D2, and that was oh a, yeah, that yeah, was it. That was an interesting. Uh, that was an interesting podcast. He had some other uh, ideas that he wanted to do. Um, you know, robot trading cards and other STEM stuff and whatever. That was a pretty interesting one. So another guy that uh, you know, R two D two has got to be the most famous robot ever. You know, besides maybe the one oh, from. Yeah. Uh, well, probably yeah, more than uh, Lost in Space or Robbie the Robot or oh, yeah. Metropolis or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've never heard that one. Never. I never. think I've I think I've used it on you, you know, twenty times. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then we got you know here's you were talking about the um, floods in Texas in uh, June of uh, 2015. We did one about Texas flood czar. That was interesting. Yes, indeed. Yeah. It'll be remember in a lot, of, a lot of places. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a good one. And uh, we talked about the MPRM before, you know, it went out. Um, oh, drone risk studies, that probably never happened. Uh, drone registration blues, we talked about that. The extrajudicial killing machine, talked about all of that. Had guys from drone deploy on, some drone detector stuff, drone regulations, 
part two, three. After the drone rush, you know, we thought things were going to change. God, that, these are, there's some real uh, doozies on here. Um, God. Talked about some of the realities of drone mapping. More FAA enforcement, which never came. Uh, drone forecasts. Uh, man, we, we, got, we had some really uh, wild stuff on here. We talked about the California wildfires. And all the work that Greg Crutchinger did, he doesn't know it yet, but I, I kind of dropped the ball during this year's expo um, and did not give out an award uh, for industry, the industry leadership award. I had a lot of stuff going on uh, per, in my personal life, including an electrical fire at the homestead, you know, two days before the expo. So things were a little... Uh, yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, it was a it was a completely wheels off um, deal. But anyway, made the best of it. You missed out this year that we we did some good I know stuff, it. man. Well, I know it's it's hard to 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 hit everything, but uh, we did have uh, uh, Terry Miller did his talk, and you know Terry, being in the insurance business, knows all of the trends. Probably you know a year year and a half before everyone else. And uh, just like we already knew from the beginning of time in this deal, remember, you know, when the, when we started this drone thing, it's hard to kind of build your own system, but as systems became a little bit more refined or people, uh, let's say, found systems that worked, uh, people were trying to do the work in-house, and that's exactly what's happening now. Um, easier, especially now, it's easier to train an expert to use the drone than the droner to be an expert in your various fields. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Um, then, uh, we had another guy that's, uh, Joshua Resnick from parallel. He has an interesting oh, yeah. system that he's working on, uh, both gas and electric. Um, oh, another guy from a little company called Iridium who actually has a, uh, you know, ID and tracking, uh, solution and UTM solution, uh, pretty much available, Anywhere on the surface of the earth, uh, infrastructure is already, uh, they just put like $9 billion uh, new satellites in orbit. So they got bandwidth, they got coverage, they got it all, man. And, uh, you know, uh, I think that's a solution. And I was kind of asking them, how come they haven't really got the dog in the fight? And they're like, well, you know, we guess, you know, we didn't really think about it. I mean, they're already in aviation. So that's, that's one thing that, uh, I think that they'll be promising here in the future. Uh, if it were me, you know, small American company, I'd be banging down the doors yep. of Congress saying, hey, man, you know, here we are. We have the solution for you. No more sandbagging. Um, there were also, uh, God, who was the other one that was really, oh, uh, Greg Kretzinger, Scholar Farms. Um, he's going to win the, the award this year. Uh the, the leadership award. I mean, after all of the work that he did on the campfire, I mean, that deal is so polished that, uh, I mean, he, he, it really is pretty astounding. I mean, I saw this stuff earlier, but now he's got it all worked out with, uh, you know, there's, there's video flybys of stuff. You can, you know, it's, it's amazing. The stuff is really good. I mean, people were like, this is like a million dollars worth of work. 
that the pay, mm-hmm. state paid yep. them about four or five thousand dollars for. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I will say, you know, so he's he's got a PhD. He's a scientist. He's, you know, an academic. And uh, his presentation was pretty salty. I think he's uh, I think he's burned out. He's like, I don't know why these guys don't listen to me. Maybe it's because I don't wear, uh, you know, the BDUs and I don't drive a Sprinter van. He's like, I got a Subaru Forester with a baby seat in the back, you know. And they just they don't pay attention to me. And I said. So I was laughing about that. Um, it's 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 really kind of too bad, but you know I think it's a it's a bigger problem that we have here in the uh, in California, and this will probably even lead into our guest that's been silently waiting in the wings. But um, we're fighting fires same way we did in the 20th century, and this is the 21st century, and it's really about software, it's about data. But you know this is another thing. So even talking to the people in in, in the state here. In this so technologically first state, let's say, um, none of these government agencies have the infrastructure to support any of this data. I mean, people are driving uh, hard drives around, you know, from uh, you know several hour drives, two three hour drives each way. That's not very efficient. Um, and then yeah, also, there's gigs of data out there. Yeah, or, uh, you know, there was Werner gave his uh, Sewers of San Francisco talk. Ooh, I think I'd rather, you know, somebody else there was from an energy company, and I guess they use drones and they'll fly in power plants or whatever. I'm like, I'll go after the radioactive drone before the sewer drone. Okay, how about that? (laughs) (laughs) You know, but, uh, you know, uh, even then they're like trying, you know, they have this public policy where the public's got to be able to view the data. You know, he's uploading some video and he gets the frantic call, turn it off. You're crashing our system. You know, so, I mean, you, they, they just don't even, or I was at the fire department and uh, they've got like these paperweights. I think they're like 386 or 486 computers. That, oh, uh, yeah. They, they couldn't even play videos on. It's like, okay, okay. And that's the training. Yeah. It's the whole deal is nuts. Anyway, so. Uh, you know, we have a long way to go before we're smart citying. Heck, we got a long way before to go before we're smart politicianing. Here's another funny one you might like, and I know you've been out here to California, and you're one of those guys. Why the hell do you stay out here? And, uh, and it's because the weather's nice, and I like lots of uh, arbitrary gun control and lots of taxes. Okay, that's why I live here. And. Uh, so the governor, you know, decided he's going to, you know, we got to figure out why these gas prices are so high, California. I think we have the highest uh, gas tax in the state of United States of America. But, uh, oh, and if you wanted if you wanted to open a refinery in California, I would ask if you were on drugs or just insane. You know, it's a toss up. Or maybe you can be on drugs and insane and open a refinery. You know, I don't know. Anyway, so it's been a good time. Yeah, we've had, you know, all these shows, but uh, we do have a guest waiting in the wings. Maybe you can introduce this gentleman uh, for us. Okay. Well, uh, as, as most of my followers know that uh, I've my, kind of made my name in the search and rescue game, and one of the things that I have always kind of pleaded and begged for was a, a computer solution to all this data that, that we collect. 
and uh, I was introduced to this individual some time back. And uh, um, once I heard what he was doing and, and how he was getting it done, I immediately said, I want to be your best friend because this is something that uh, has been a long time coming. And uh, he formed a company, and uh, I guess probably it would be best for me to, to let PJ talk about it. But without further ado, I would like to introduce PJ Kirkpatrick. So, PJ, you're on. Hi, thank you. Hello, Patrick. How are you? Good. How are you, sir? Fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Well, so, PJ, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got started on this and uh, uh, where it's all going, because I think it's some pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, sure. So, uh, it got started by me failing um, doing a search and recovery mission. Uh, it wasn't so much the data collection portion of the search and recovery mission um, that I failed at. It was... Uh, identifying the missing person in the photographs because at the time we were just you know, using our human eyes. Um, long story short, um, we were uh, told by the local law enforcement folks that the missing person was in plain sight. And I basically went back into the archives and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I've, we, we flew this area and, and we did. And we actually captured an image where the missing person was. And uh, as a result, I was determined to come up with a process that would um, increase the success rate of identifying those missing persons. So what we did is uh, came across the gentleman, Shane Michaels, who developed a program. He's out of Canada with Wings of Mercy. And at the time, program only existed on his computer. He was writing it in code. And uh, so long story short, again, we... Uh, I asked him how I can help him, and we formed a company called Locate, L-O-C, with the number eight. Um, and we I like basically, that. Uh, yeah, thank you. We automated the process so that the software scans the images, and we don't have to rely on the human eye to identify um, whatever it is we're looking for. And there's a couple techniques that, that we use with the program, and. Uh, yeah, we're very excited uh, that Gene's part of the company. Um, he's been um, very resourceful with providing feedback uh, as we've been developing it and going forward um, improving it. So that's located in a nutshell. In a nutshell. Yeah, no, he, um, Gene knows his stuff. You know, Indeed. you probably already you probably already figured that out. Um, that he's pretty yeah, he's a uh, resource. Yes, he is, and you know, he he wrote the book and all the rest of that. And you know, personal endorsement for Gene is people always out there like, do you know any drone expert? Are you a drone expert? I, well, I'm an aspiring drone expert, but I know a guy <laughs> that's an expert. His right. name's Gene Robinson, and I say that you know, and not only because Gene's my friend, but. Uh, I'm really one of these guys, and I don't, you know, unfortunately, I don't have the time to uh, spend out in the field. But really, that is where the rubber meets the road. That is where you learn. All the rest of it is all speculation. It's when you're out there, boots on the ground, in the field, you know, with a, a leather man and some duct tape trying to make it work. Um, 
That's that's really Absolutely. where it, it all happens, and uh, you you can't buy that kind of knowledge anywhere. So Gene's, you know, has got my my hat's always off to him. But uh, I'm I'm interested. Uh, he says good things about the product, um, and I'm interested to to see it. But uh, you know, maybe you could also give us some thoughts on it, Gene. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, some of the things that we've used in the field, like you say, uh, for squinting images have been incorporated into the software, which is it, it is so important to be able to reduce the number of false positives that we get. And, you know, when you, when you have 3,000 images from a search and you've got a person that's trying to look through them and takes, you know, two or three minutes at a shot to really go over an image like that. To be able to do that in seconds is just a phenomenal boost to productivity and to the minutes. Oh. I've always said in a search, minutes matter. Mm-hmm. And uh, being able to go through literally thousands of images in minutes instead of hours is just a tremendous boost to productivity in a search environment. And, and PJ, I I think you ought to talk about the bloodhound technique that you guys came up with. I love it. Yeah, sure. So um, the bloodhound technique is similar to where um, uh, traditional searches, where if you hold something in front of a dog and it sniffs it, it looks for that, uh, or it tries to look for that, follow that scent. Well, the bloodhound technique, we can take an image either of the individual or what they're wearing. And we basically extract the RGB value from the pixel. So the computer program is looking for numbers. It's not looking for a person. It's just, you know, it's just looking for what we ask it to look for. And there's uh, techniques where we can, you know, expand the color search, if you will, because, you know, that picture was taken from one camera and the data that's being collected uh, for the search is being conducted with another camera. So, the beauty of the program is that it, it does not rely on the Internet because, as you know, a lot of these search and rescue missions are out in, in the middle of nowhere where there's no, oftentimes no Internet access. So it doesn't rely on Internet access. It doesn't, um, it's not even dependent on any type of drone or camera. Um, really, the goal is to obtain an image, and uh, the computer, will, computer program will basically look for it. So it takes about a right now the, it'll scan about one second per image, and uh, you know there's about 17 million different color variations uh, that we're looking at. So, and once it finds uh, or finds the color match, if you will, it'll identify the location. It'll put a red circle around it. Um, it'll produce a report so you can provide it to the incident commander, whoever's in charge. Um, and so, yeah. That's kind of the bloodhound technique. I like it. It's interesting. Um, the software thing is really what is going to make the drone thing, let's say, progress. The autonomy. Um, and and this sounds like you guys are, are making that step into that right direction. I mean, the drone is a tool, but just as June said, I mean, I've, I've done uh, ISR, I've, I've trained ISR. People, the eyes get fatigued. People get fatigued. It, you start missing stuff. And so this uh, software solution 
can do, let's say, the, the hard work and sniff it out, man, that's, this is going to be a game changer. So I look forward to seeing yeah, that. Yeah, the feedback we've got from the folks that have been tested it and trialing is that um, they're very excited. We have a uh, methodical process to review the images. Um, well, so we're very excited we're, with that feedback. Well, that's good. So this is uh, almost going to close, and the new thing at Blog Talk is they, uh, as soon as the, the clock runs down, the party's over. Did you give the uh, website address? Sure, it's uh, locate.life, L-O-C number eight, dot L-I-F-E. Okay. Well, that sounds good. I'm glad that you were on, uh, Gene, as always. And, you know, that was a good seventh anniversary. Seven years, it's crazy. Um, but it's it's good that we're still here and we're still doing it and uh, we're not going away. Anyway, I'd like to thank everyone that listens to the SUS Nude Podcast. Uh we do all of the the news and the, the video and the, the stories and the hump busting and keeping everyone honest and trying to level the playing field for you. So the listeners out there that we care about. Anyway, all right, that's it for me for this week, Gene. Anything in closing? Uh, keep the stick back, man. That's all I can say. Keep your nose out of the alfalfa. Nose out of the alfalfa. That's good advice. All right, everyone. Till next time, out. We'll see you. Bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.